Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, November the 20th, and our top story today is that a Dover teenager who stabbed a man, then bragged about it, has been locked up. Well, Lucy joins me now with more on this court case. And Lucy, it happened back in September. Yes, that's right. Victim Eric Horvath was attacked as he tried to help another person who was being threatened by the then 17-year-old. He'd been flown to a London hospital and was treated for a punctured lung and a wound to his upper arm. The call was told a local resident filmed what happened on their phone and it showed that as the victim bent down, the defendant ran at him, hit him and knocked him to the floor. Hayden Ashcroft could then be heard saying, I've shanked him, bruv. And what happened when he was arrested? Well, he initially told police he was acting in self-defence but then admitted wounding with intent, a fray and threatening with a bladed article. The call was told the teen from Folkestone Road had previous convictions for robbery and two cautions for assault causing actual bodily harm and affray. He's been sent to a young offenders institution for three years. We're able to name him because he turned 18 the day after he was sentenced. Lucy, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a number of football players have been taken to hospital after what's being described as a serious incident at a match in Tunbridge Wells. Violence is thought to have broken out following a game involving Tunbridge Wells Foresters on Saturday. Police have been contacted for a comment. A Kent school has apologised to a former pupil after accepting he was sexually abused by one of their priests. Sutton Valance in Maidstone has settled a legal case with the man who'd made allegations against Reverend David Barnes, who was chaplain there back in the 80s. He died in 2012 at the age of 75. A Margate woman who kicked a Wilco security guard so hard she left her trainer footprint on his forehead has avoided being sent to jail. Faye Butterfield lashed out when she was caught shoplifting at the store in Ramsgate in January last year. The 40-year-old from St John's Road has been given a suspended sentence. She's also been ordered to do 25 rehab sessions and pay compensation to the victim. Now, next today, there's been an increase in the number of people across the southeast being killed or seriously injured on the roads. Figures given to Kent Online put the total at almost 5,000 for last year and 10% up on 2021. Similarly, casualty figures in Medway also rose from 92 to 108. Kent was just one of two areas in the southeast where road casualty numbers actually dropped. Well, I've been speaking to Lucy Straker from road safety charity Break. We are um, signed up to what they call vision zero strategy we want uh, zero injuries and deaths and crashes on our roads that's what we work towards so when we see an increase in road casualties such as these you know it's it's very very worrying for us because every single crash every single death in in our eyes is preventable you know whether it's um the choice of speed or, or how whatever the, the cause of the crash is um this is something that that could be prevented and therefore you know every death is is tragic and it sends shockwaves right across the family, right across the communities, workplaces, schools. Everybody feels it. Uh, and it's not something, you know, five people die nationally on our roads every day. 
and that is that's way too many um i think if any if if people were dying at that rate on anything else we would be really really shocked and concerned by it and so we need to be doing that with our road our roads as well making sure that that everybody's safe on the roads whether you're walking whether you're cycling whether you're on you're on a horse or whether you're driving a car or you're on a bike whatever it may be we need to make sure that everybody's safe on the roads and we're all looking out for each other We've already got, and there are plans for further 20 mile per hour zones in various towns across Kent. Are they the sorts of things you would like to see more commonplace? I know they can be quite divisive. Some people think they're a great idea to slow motorists down, particularly when there's a higher population of people perhaps walking around. Others really don't like it at all. What's your viewpoint on that? Well, I mean, we know that 20 mile an hour speed limits reduces crashes and it reduces the severity of crashes. So um, there's nowhere that has introduced a 20 mile an hour speed limit has shown that that has that crashes and severities of crashes have gone up. It does make the road safer. Um, I mean, again, it goes back to that kind of basic physics. If you're the faster you're going, the harder you'll crash. So if you're driving at 20 miles an hour, your stopping distance is 12 metres. But if you're driving at 30 miles an hour, that stopping distance uh, becomes 23 metres. So if you imagine you're driving down a road, there's probably cars parked either side. There's lots of pedestrians. If something suddenly comes into the road, what do you want your stopping distance to be? Do you want it to be 12 or do you want it to be 23 metres? Um, and the other fact that we know is that if you are hit by a car at 30 miles an hour, you're five times more likely to die than if you're hit by a car at 20 miles an hour. So, again, it goes back to that severity of crashing. The other interesting fact is that actually dropping down to 20 miles an hour um, as a default speed limit actually only adds a couple of minutes to your journey time, generally speaking. And uh, so if it's if it's safer, if it re- reduces the number of crashes and it reduces the severity of crashes and it doesn't add that much to your journey time, we think that that's that is the best option. Meantime, new data shows potholes and faults in the roads have directly caused at least 15 deaths or serious injuries in Kent since 2018. Our counties had the joint highest number of deaths in the country over a four-year period. Council bosses have recently been given nearly £150 million from the government to tackle the issue. Kent Online reports. An inquest into the death of Phil Spencer's mum following a car crash near her home in Kent has gone underway today. Anne, who was 82, had been driving with her husband and the couple's carer when the car toppled off a bridge and into a stream on their farm in Littlebourne near Canterbury. The carer was able to get to safety, but the TV presenter's parents couldn't be saved. The hearing's been adjourned until next month. Police have uncovered a cannabis farm after being called to reports of a burglary in Sittingbourne. Officers were seen removing drugs from a site on the Eurolink industrial estate on Friday night. Two people have been arrested. A shop owner in Sittingbourne says he's lost £20,000 worth of goods in a burglary. Apple watches and tablets were among the items stolen from Phone Fix in the Forum shopping centre. It's going to cost around £5,000 to replace the window which was smashed and police have told us they are investigating. Now, people in Lyd say they're having to walk through flood water and sewage to get out of their homes following disruption caused by by Storm Kieran, which I'm sure you'll remember, but was a little while ago now. People living in the Copperfield area have criticised Southern Water for failing to deal with the issue over the last few weeks. Well, the company is blaming heavy rainfall, which has put pressure on the local wastewater pumping station and say specialist teams are working to resolve it. 
Now, videos are running on socials as part of a major new campaign encouraging young people in Kent to speak up if they see cases of antisocial behaviour. Don't Do Nothing has been launched as part of Anti-Bullying Week alongside a police operation to tackle knife crime. The idea is to make sure behaviour that isn't acceptable is reported and dealt with. I've been chatting to Mark Powell, who's from the Kent and Medway Violence Reduction Unit. We know from research that When something happens that people might think is unacceptable or someone needs help, then actually the more people that witness it, the less likely any one individual is to to step in. Everyone thinks that someone else will do it um, or they're scared to do it because they might be embarrassed in some way. And the active bystander approach, um, which is what sits behind the don't do nothing campaign, Um, is one that says, no, if you step in, if you say something or if you offer help, others will will join in as well. Um, So, you know, when you see something, when you hear something, you think, hang on, something needs to be done about this. You are then encouraging your community to all step up, to all make a positive difference. And what sort of things, what sort of antisocial behaviour are we talking about, Mark? Well, I think when we when we talked with young people, um, and it's it's young people that helped design this campaign, things, you know, so girls were saying, actually, sometimes it's comments that they might, you know, they might hear from groups of boys or men um, uh, in sort of particular locations. So something like that might be an example of where someone might say hey, to a friend, hang on, it's not acceptable to use that phrase to, you know, to describe a girl or a woman in that way. You know, it can be something as simple as that. Um, it might be that, you know, they, they see someone that's, that's being bullied um, and they might then want to, you know, just put an arm around them and say, are you OK? Um, you know, and we can help you. Or they might need to then go and talk to someone like a teacher or a youth worker or a trusted adult to say, my friend needs help. You know, and, and those are different ways that somebody can can make that positive difference. And ultimately what they're saying is, I don't want this behaviour, that you know, this language to continue. This is not OK. I'm going to do something that's going to try and make a difference. Obviously, we all want lovely communities for ourselves and our children to grow up in. But you did mention earlier, if you're a bit scared, and there might be for some people that fear factor of actually standing up and, and making a point and saying, hey, this isn't right. How do you get around that fear factor? Um, I think, first of all, people should never do something if they think they're going to be at risk. You know, so so we're not asking for people to step into kind of, you know, sort of volatile situations. Um, I think what we try and do is give people different options of what they can do. So it might be that actually what they'll do is, is see something, they witness it, and they then go and tell someone so that somebody else can then, you know, intervene at a later date. You know, it might be that they need to go and, um, you know, just kind of make a record of what they've seen so that when they do want to report something, they can say, well, this has happened on five occasions and I've got the information that can help you understand when it took place. So I think it's a natural feeling that sometimes people will be scared to do that. What we're trying to do is to give people ways to think about what options they have so that they can choose the one they're most comfortable with. 
Um, and I think we try and emphasise nobody should ever do something that puts themselves in any kind of danger. You say that young people have been very heavily involved in this campaign. How enlightening and how good was it to work with them as part of it? It was refreshing and really challenging. Um, the young people, and some came from pupil referral units, some came from youth centres, and some came from the, the kind of Kent Youth County Council. Um, they had some really interesting ideas about um, what they what how they wanted us to communicate. So they came up with the strap line of "Don't do nothing." Um, you know that was their kind of tagline. Um, the the themes that they chose were the ones that they felt resonated most with them. Um, that was really helpful. Some of the stuff that we produced, they were really critical and said, "No, you know that's not how this should be done. That doesn't work for us." You know, and we were doing it as adults, um, thinking that this is how it might work really well. Um, it was that was part of the challenge we had was young people saying, "No, that's not good enough. We need something that's better than this." I think ultimately we have something that's been helped, being designed and created by young people for young people, um, and we really hope that it will resonate and that people will be having those conversations. Kent Online reports. Aldi's urging shoppers to help them out a bit with some red tape that's preventing them from starting work on a new store in Ashford. The supermarket chain got permission to build on Waterbrook Park last November, but they can't get underway until a separate shop on a nearby housing estate that's actually nothing to do with them has opened. And our bosses hope residents will lobby the council to change the rules. A man's been flown to a London hospital after being cut free from the wreckage of a crash near Canterbury. Police, firefighters and the air ambulance were called to Cochrane Road in Chartham on Saturday. We're told three vehicles were involved in the collision. A delivery driver has appeared in court more than two years after the death of a vicar who was hit by a van in Canterbury. The 79-year-old victim had been walking to Station Road West when it happened in September 2021. Kieran Corr, who's 46 and from Hayes in Greater London, is accused of causing death by careless driving. She's due back in court next month. Next today, we can hear from an incredible mum from Sevenoaks who donated part of her liver to save her young son. Catherine Baker's boy, George, was diagnosed with a rare cancer-like condition called LCH when he was only two years old. Catherine took him to the US to try a new treatment after chemotherapy here failed. Well, she credits the American doctor and staff who carried out the transplant for saving George's life and Catherine has been speaking to reporter Cara Simmons. As a parent you are going to do anything you can for your child but there was a moment or two where I thought well hang on I would give my life for George in a heartbeat but if it was just he and I but we have got two other children to consider so I had 24 hours where I thought hold I don't really know what to do here but then we went to King's and we met the transplant team the most incredible individuals you could possibly imagine. Um, and I, I knew with certainty that I was in the, that we were in the best possible hands. And there was no doubt once we met the surgeons and the transplant coordinator and the whole team, and I got an idea of who was going to be leading this, it was, yeah, it, it was a total no-brainer. You, you essentially also, you know, saved his life. It was really down to... The, the Dr. Kumar in America and the King's team, without a doubt. I was just, I just had to lay there and give 25% of my liver. It was not, considering what George's surgery was 13 hours, it took them four hours to remove his damaged liver. I mean, what they did was 
was truly mind-blowing. Having to go over to America, um, I mean, some people might not be able to afford that or have that access to that. Do you think that the sort of methods that are used over there should sort of be taken on by the NHS, should be t- be available here? Well, this is a really big point um, because, as I say, the drug is available here, but the protocol in England and throughout Europe is that you have to undergo and fail five rounds of chemo before it becomes available. So it's not that this is not in England, um, but currently there is um, a proposal being put forward that this should be the, the mainline treatment for, um, for the treatment of LCH, but it's, it's still in the, in the process of, of looking for approval. Um, and Dr. Kumar in the US, who has had a 100% positive success rate with this treatment, is still coming up against um, other physicians who are perhaps reluctant to change because LCH has been historically been treated with chemotherapy. And as I say, in a lot of cases, people, uh, doctors will say, well, if it's just a year of chemo versus putting children on a, a drug indefinitely, well, we'll go with the chemo, thank you. But for children like George with this mutation, it is not that simple. A year of chemo, as we saw firsthand, does not work. Catherine's now hoping the special inhibitor drugs he was given will be able to help more children in the UK. A wonderful story. You can also read it in full by clicking on the Seven Oaks pages of Kent Online. Kent Online News. You're being asked what you think about plans to develop part of Chatham Docks into an employment and enterprise zone. Developers first suggested the idea in December 2021 and showed off their initial designs last year. But they've now unveiled even more details for what would be known as Basin 3 and could create hundreds of jobs. You can see those ideas at Kent Online. They go on public display tomorrow. Pet owners in Lyd say they're concerned because the only vet in the town is set to close. Sinkports will shut its branch there at the start of next year due to staffing issues. While it's hoped it will reopen in future, no date has been set, leaving animal lovers worried about where to take pets for checkups or get medication. Well, a spokesman for the company says they haven't taken the decision lightly and will still have branches in Ashford, Hawkehurst, Rye, Y Cat Clinic and Tenterden. And finally, businesses have been celebrated at the annual Medway Business Awards. MTS Cleansing Services were named Large Business of the Year. Alan and Terry Cross are from the company. Obviously, the hard work that we put in, obviously, to come to these awards tonight I means so much to our business, so... I'm not enough us and thank you for the invite. It's been great. Thank you. And Terry, what's it going to mean to the whole team? You've got a big team. Yeah, yeah, we've got a big team and, you know, they're really chucked and really happy about we've won it. We put the extra mile in to get what we've achieved tonight and we think we totally deserve it. But fair play to everybody else in the by Business World. Thank you very much. Kent Online Showbiz. Now, final preparations are underway to make sure Dartford's Panto can definitely go ahead this Christmas. A new temporary venue is being built to replace the Orchard Theatre, which has been forced to close after potentially dangerous concrete was found in the roof. It means thousands of people will be able to go and see Beauty and the Beast. Gabriel Morris from our colleagues at KMTV has been there to take a look around. And theatre director Tal Rosen told him more about the Panto's new temporary home. Orchard West is going to be um, an incredible state-of-the-art temporary structure. Uh, it's over a thousand seats. It's got a whole back-of-house facilities, wardrobe, eight dressing rooms, a 
stage door office, um, you know, back of house washrooms and showers and toilets, um, you know, an incredible auditorium, cosy, although it's quite large, cosy and an incredible stage, the same size as the Yorkshire Theatre. Um, it's got an incredible front of house and toilet facilities, uh, you know, 2.9 uh, metre bar, I said, uh, with um, baby grand we've got in the way, merchandise stand, confectionery stands, a warm, vibrant, uh, and especially for Christmas atmosphere. I mean, it's a, it's a bit like a pantomime in the Orchard West. It's a happy ending, isn't it? From the saga we had before, not knowing if it was going to be something. Everybody wanted it, and we got it. A happy ending, isn't it? It's very much happy ending. It's It's been an incredibly tough year, not just for the whole Orchard Theatre and Dartford, but the whole world. It's been, you know, cost-of-living crisis to, you know, all elements across the world. And this is an extremely important part of Dartford and Kent's annual programme. Uh, and we're really excited to bring families, friends, Yorkshire Theatre, Trafalgar, Dartford Borough Council family together to have a fun family field day or night of entertainment. And our reporter Keely Greenwood has also been along to chat to the cast and crew. EastEnders star Shona Magati is playing Belle. So this is your first pantomime. Yes. Are you excited? Nervous? Uh, a bit of both actually. I'm excited and nervous as it's my first one um, and it's very different for me. Um, but I think it's mostly exciting. And have rehearsals started yet? Not yet. Very soon. I think uh, in a few days. How long do you get to rehearse? We get usually two weeks. Wow. Which is so great. So how's it going to compare to, obviously on set, you can cut and retake, mm -hmm. you said again, this is full on live. Yep, it's full on live. I'm not used to it at all. Uh, it's definitely a challenge for me. Um, also on set we get about half an hour rehearsal. Oh my God, um, so you don't get much rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, so this is great. <laughs> two weeks is awesome. And have your castmates given you any tips? Because lots of them have been in pantomime. Yes, they've told me to just take it easy with my voice and not to give it my all every time, but I will because I want to. Because I'm excited. Um, but they've just told me to enjoy it and it's fun. Um, and it's for families, that's what it's all about. So. And what are you most looking forward to about pantomime? There's all the different traditions around pantomime. Yeah, I'm most looking forward to the costumes and the speed of it all backstage which I'm not used to because at EastEnders we have our makeup done it's quite slow paced until you get on set and then it's carnage but here it's like it's going to be quick change and, this, and I've always wanted to do that so I'm really excited The show opens on December the 9th and will run until New Year's Eve Elsewhere Doctor Who legend Tom Baker has been spotted at a cafe near Ashford The 89 year old took a selfie with staff at Brunch and Brew in Tenterden where he was enjoying a hot drink and Dua Lipa's new song Houdini has gone straight to number one on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station KMFM she's beaten this life by Take That which is at number two Kent Online Sport Football and it was a win for Gillingham at the weekend they beat Salford City 3-1 at Priestfield which was also a first home league game for new head coach Stephen Clements well he spoke to us after the game I'm proud of the performance I think the first 15 minutes we struggled to um, get the ball off them. They have a very possession-based team. Um, I said to the boys after the game, sometimes you do have to suffer a little bit. Um, they didn't really hurt us, but obviously you can you can feel that the crowd are a little bit frustrated. We can't win the ball back. 
Uh, but our shape was good. It didn't come for us. Um, and then by putting that work in, they get their just rewards at the end. So when you hang, hang on in games and you suffer a little bit, um, it, can, it can be beneficial sort of after the 90, 95 minutes. Um, you sometimes have to go away from home in this game and you might have less, less of the ball for 60, 70% of the time the opposition have got the ball. Um, but if you're prepared to put that work in, you can still come away and win games 1-0. Um, but I was really, really pleased with the performance, not just at the bar in the first 15 minutes. I thought we really, really played well. I thought there was some, um, some good play that we've worked on in the last week. Uh, I could really see that coming out. So that's what encouraged me. Um, the results are bonus, but the performance was good. I want to win games. So there's different ways to win. You have to take what the opposition give you. If the opposition is going to press you high up the pitch, then sometimes you have to go over that. Um, so I'm, I'm not afraid to play a bit more direct at times and play into channels and play into the number nine a bit earlier. You have to give what the opposition, uh, you have to take what the opposition gives you. So we did that today um, against a good Salford side. Um, they've been in good form recently. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's a good win, but it's, uh, hopefully it's just the start of things. We need to go and get some more now. Well, I knew when I came into the job that only, I think it was only scored two goals on two occasions this season in the league. And, and that's something I flagged up and I told the boys that the first time I see them. I said, look, you're not going to win every game 1-0. Um, so we have to start scoring more goals. So I've tried to put that demand on them and I'm really pleased that they've managed to get themselves free today. Really well done to them, the players. They've taken on everything that me and Robbie have tried to give them the last couple of weeks. Um, as I say, I could see some of the, uh, the, the patterns, etc. that we've worked on coming out. And, uh, and thankfully, uh, they've worked and they've managed to get themselves a few goals. So well done to them. The Jills are now up to eighth in League Two. They travel to take on Tranmere Rovers at the weekend. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.